0: Hello, and welcome back to Agency Highway. This is episode 83, and today we have Tom Finelli on the line. Tom, thank you for joining the show.
1: Totally my pleasure. Thanks for having me, James. Really appreciate it.
0: So, okay, you are in the world of agency WordPress hosting. Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong on any of this. I'm going to flip this over here so I I don't make a mince of your introduction, but um, this is... uh, such a hot topic. Uh, hosting is always the one of the continual, uh, most passionate, let's say, threads in, in like the Facebook group or any communities I see you ask anything about a WordPress host and... Uh, it just goes to town. The amount of comments and like fights and stuff that break out are just amazing. So You're totally right. Yeah, I, uh, I I'm gonna enjoy this chat. I think so. so let's start with a little bit about you. Um, what Convezio is and and why you got started.
1: Sure, sure. So I started my career. Gosh, what was a long time ago? I was building websites in the late '90s using a product called Adobe PageMill which will date myself and some other people in your audience who might know what that is. Wow! Yeah. But uh, that was way before WordPress. And so uh, I went through the dot-com boom of the 2000s, and it was great. We were, we were trudging totally new territory there and um, ran an agency for about seven years doing all sorts of marketing, creative, and digital work. Uh, and then my career took me into an in-house marketing role for a software company. And I'm, my sort of DNA is product marketing and technology. That's kind of like what my sort of area of expertise is. And eventually, uh, that took me to the Bay Area here right outside San Francisco. And I had an opportunity about 10 years ago to come to work for a startup in, uh, in the Bay Area. And uh, it was founded by, I think, employee 41 from Salesforce. And wow. it was a product that was um, uh, apartment management, real estate management software for um, in the cloud and uh, for property managers. And so basically uh, ran in a marketing services team inside of that, where we did websites and SEO and digital marketing solutions for the people using the platform. We got acquired about a year later. And then a year after that, we took the company that acquired us public. And so very fortunate to have Came to the Bay Area and within two years sort of had this amazing experience to go from startup to acquisition to IPO. And in that company, I ran a team of about 150 plus global marketing people that did websites, SEO, creative content, a national photography team all for apartment communities and property managers and real estate managers across mostly the U.S. at that time.
0: So Um, we're we're here to talk about hosting, and I feel like already I'm like, I want to talk to you at some point in the future about how the hell you manage 150 people. (laughs)
1: It's process, which is one of my big things about agencies, uh, a whole discussion around scaling, right? Yeah. So, uh, you know, fast forward, I left that company and went to work for a larger company that was a major hosting provider in the US. Um, And we acquired one hosting company per quarter at my time there. So I spent about three and a half years there, acquired lots of hosting companies, ran product for that uh, company, which had a, a host of solutions from email marketing platforms to website builders and all that. But I had always been frustrated that in large enterprises, we had amazing technology for hosting websites, technology that was scalable, redundant, had disaster recovery, all this type of stuff. But yet, most hosting for small to medium-sized businesses had none of that. It was still using this legacy, unevolved hosting from 15, 20 years ago um, on shared servers. And so, I felt like that model was broke, and it really bothered me for many years to the point where it it got to the point I just had to take a crack at solving it.
0: Is this related to cPanel? (laughs) I feel like that's always been like through my agency life. Every time, you know, like everything was cPanel based. Um, Obviously now we're starting to get away from that, but it was always just mind blowing to me because it just seemed like a dated interface and like, it seemed to have so many issues. And then I used Plest on a couple of sites, which I believe has um, improved quite a lot since then. But like, man, I was just like, I don't understand why, how this is the benchmark. Like there's gotta be something better.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's definitely not very user-friendly from a product perspective. I mean, you can't argue with the tremendous amount of success that they've had, Mm. penetration in the market, but for the product person inside of me, doesn't love the interface uh, that they have yeah. and you know, I'm really passionate about WordPress. I'm really passionate about the WordPress community. So in my mind, whatever I did had to be solely focused on WordPress.
0: Yeah, right. And obviously, cause it's just so prevalent now. Everything, right. everything runs on WordPress. So I totally, totally get that. Now I am interested in the fact that you raised money and, Uh, Like we were chatting offline and I think uh, earlier, and I think it is helpful for agencies who may be looking to go down the product route and don't have an idea of like how to get started or um, I mean, raising money is a pretty clear way to get started. It's like a lot of agencies don't exactly just have a ton of money lying around that they can go and invest into building a product. (laughs) So raising money is, is definitely an option. So And I don't believe we've ever really spoken about this on the podcast before. So first time for everything. And I'm uh, really interested. Yeah. And how, and how you, I guess, made this change and, and I mean, why you decided to raise money and, and then how you did it.
1: Right. So I think for agencies, there's really two reasons why this is really uh, an interesting topic. Right. Um, So, Uh, I'll sort of start with the history of this. So in 2016, um, President Obama signed the JOBS Act, and that radically changed the legal landscape in the United States for investing in in businesses or startups. Uh, It used to be that you had to be an accredited investor, and that meant that you basically have to have either over a million dollars in assets, excluding your home, or uh, have a verifiable income of over 200 k for the last two or three years. And so, when he changed that law, basically said you don't need those criteria and you can invest smaller, sort of more manageable amounts. And so, what this gave rise to was sort of like Kickstarter meets funding and investing. And there are now a bunch of websites where you can go and literally get your product in front of hundreds of thousands of potential investors and they will invest small amounts of money, maybe 100, 500. So in our case, you know, we raised about $1.3 million off just over 850 investors. And I'd like to think this is like 850 of the most sort of bullish people about WordPress and what we're doing um, that are out there. But, you know, as to why we did it that way, we—I thought originally we would go down the route of like VC funding. I'm in the Bay Area. Prior startups did VC funding; it seemed natural. But the VC model is incredibly labor intense. It takes <laughs> a lot of time and energy. I'll, I'll give you one example: my uh, a buddy that I know who founded a company um, who measured everything. Right? He had. 300 meetings with VCs in six months, and he got two investors.
0: And that's so insane. for like half a
1: million bucks. Now, being agency people, we know that conversion rate sucks, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's like, that's a bad conversion rate. So I think that taking your product to the masses is really important, right? And it allows you to control the narrative, and it also allows you to get in our case, 850 raving fans, people who are excited yeah. they are out there helping to stand by us. Um, now for agencies, again, you know, I think there's a couple things that are interesting here. One, and I give you that history lesson on the, the background of the law, because that was just 2016. More and more people, businesses are going to want to launch these campaigns. And there's a heavy marketing component to launching these crowdfunding mm. campaigns. It took us three months to get ready to launch this campaign it's not like you just flip it on and you know you're there a lot of people
0: think that is the case though like well i have a friend who does consulting for kickstarter and crowdfunding um and like that's like she reckons the the biggest thing is people come to her and they're just like oh we throw up a thing on kickstarter and we make money the end Right, right you know but like and then she has to tell them how much work's involved and then and then they go oh nah don't want to do it. <laughs> hey, yeah. just quickly, um, is it is what you do still called crowdfunding? Is it- yeah,
1: so its legal name is Regulation CF or Regulation Crowdfunding. Okay, and that is the legal sort of name for what it is that you do, and you can raise um, you know, up to X million plus mm-hmm. dollars in funding using okay. a reg CF campaign. Okay. And I'll just name a few of these sites where you can do this. So your audience can go get some information. Mm-hmm. We used, WeFunder, W E F U N D E R WeFunder.com. They were sort of like one of the pioneers. Another really big one is called start engine. That's a great one. There's another yeah. one out there called seed invest. And all of these have the same sort of value prop. you Put your product up there, you launch a campaign, uh, and then they uh, promote you to an audience. And by the way, in our case, you know, we probably brought at least 50% of the investment from our personal network of customers and sort of followers and friends and family. So you can't sort of expect to raise a million bucks with none of your own investment in this. Right. And so...
0: Did you say 50% came from your own... Rolodex, basically.
1: Yeah, I mean the the average is somewhere between a fifty fifty, sixty forty split. Wow. Of the audience bringing in about, we'll call it fifty fifty percent, you know, of the uh, of the funding.
0: And I imagine that adds like some level of social proof to like when people see. That's exactly right. Yeah.
1: Well not only that I mean interviews came out of it there's believe it or not a whole like subculture of investing sites that focus just on crowdfunding right and so they wanted to do stories on us and we got customers out of it and so there's a lot of value out of the crowd getting behind your product than just mm. the actual money. Oh yeah.
0: It. Like straight away, like, like you said before, you've got 850 people who are actually invested in the success of your business now. So right. they're going to talk about it. That's crazy. I love that idea. Um, j- just to circle back um, before I uh, rudely interrupted um, <laughs> about you were talking about getting ready for uh, the marketing, like preparing for three months. I'm very interested in, in that process. Cause at this point, I'm also thinking that not only would agencies be interested in this, but this is a potential thing that agencies could help with. They have marketing skills, right? Absolutely. So this could is something they could help their clients with as well. So yeah, I'm very interested in, in what you did to prepare and how the campaign went.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So part of the component of preparing for this is legal. So you have to do a bunch of filings. This is all heavily regulated with... FINRA and the SEC back in the States here, which is the sort of these governing bodies of this stuff. Um, and then basically uh, that is work that you sort of have to hire people for. You hire an accountant to look at your books and sort of do a mini audit, if you will. The other thing that um, you do is you prepare and file some paperwork, but all of that stuff's pretty like, you know, task driven one, two, three. And and the, mm. the site you're going to partner with will actually walk you through that whole process. Um, The more engaging part to it, in my opinion, is figuring out your marketing strategy for the campaign. And that basically is, okay, how are we going to get the word out? What marketing are we going to do during the campaign so that we get, you know, updates to investors? There's also a lot of questions you have to answer during the campaign. So we had probably well over a hundred questions from investors. Think about things that a great example is shark tank. Okay. The questions the sharks are asking on Shark Tank is the same type of questions that your your investors are going to ask. Right. You know, who's your competition? All this stuff. Mm -hmm. You need a really great pitch deck. You need a video when you launch one of these campaigns. You need a product demo. You have to be able to easily articulate your value prop, your differentiation, the competitors. Mm -hmm. And as a lot of agencies know... That stuff takes collaboration with someone who's able to put together a cohesive message. Yeah. That's not always the DNA of founders.
0: Yeah, totally. And did you also have, like, start building an audience and email list before the campaign?
1: We did. You know, we had been sort of in a very private beta for probably at least a year before we did this. And I would say that we had a very modest list, a few hundred people. Oh, okay. So nothing, nothing substantial. We did not come into this with a crowd of people just waiting to invest.
0: Which, I mean, could be another strategy, right? Like I know a lot of mm-hmm. people will actually spend a bit of time building an audience um, beforehand uh, in order to feed that initial uh, investment and and the buzz, I guess, um, in yeah. quotes, like generating some buzz. Um, but I mean, you've kind of got that through your friends and family investing. But I guess, like, imagine there would be a right. lot of value in getting that, all that initial investment. So other investors come on and can see, or can they see that other people have been investing? Yes. Yeah. Yes.
1: yeah. yeah and so that's one of the things that makes these campaigns successful is out of the gate to have a good amount of momentum that's built for your, your yeah. campaign. So you do that by priming the pump with your your friends and family.
0: Yeah, or or I guess an audio or, or email list or audience that you've already yes. built, but right. they're probably going to be a little bit less reliable than you know someone who you know for sure is ready with money to invest, right. like friends and family.
1: <laughs> or and I was surprised we had you know I mean at the time we had very few customers, right? Um, but we had a bunch of potential customers and those potential customers invested. So I was actually really surprised with the number of actual customers that got on board and the number of investors that became customers. Mm -hmm. So it was, it was really sort of, it worked out well, um, surprisingly well in terms of, of customers getting behind what we're doing. One of the cool things about what we're doing in the hosting space is there really is no community driven, um, hosting company, right? They're all like privately owned or backed by big VCs. And so mm-hmm. this is an opportunity for people to own part of an actual hosting company, a, a managed WordPress hosting company. And I think that's a cool value prop to the community.
0: Yeah. Can you still get in?
1: No, but we're likely going to open another round of oh, funding in the next nice. 12 months. So nice. there will be an opportunity again. We're so sold on this whole notion of like crowdfunding yeah. Um, that, you know, not the actual crowdfunding discipline, but like the, the ability for people in the WordPress community to, to benefit in our success and for us to mutually benefit. We think it's a really big game changer for the WordPress community and WordPress products mm-hmm. in general. Um, so yeah, so we're excited. So I, I, foresee another, another round in our future.
0: Awesome. So yeah, definitely let me know about that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm interested. Um, now I'm interested a little bit in how it works. Like, um, I've always wondered with these things, like, do you get, are you getting shares in a company like as if you bought stocks? Um, like, is, is that how it works? And then like, how do you, like, what's the liquidity? Like, I know we're getting into probably out of no, no. territory. Totally,
1: I'm happy to answer all your questions. I. Feel like I've went and gotten a college degree in crowdfunding. So yeah, I bet. there's a lot to so learn. Much. Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot to learn. So when you do one of these campaigns, there is a good. You're not going to know everything when you start, and it really takes getting through one and working out the details to really be in on it. But the it kind of depends somewhat on the site that you use. So I'll tell you what WeFunder does. Mm-hmm. Uh, At WeFunder, one of the great things about all investing sites is the company drives the terms of the investment, which is really good because usually a VC is setting that stuff for you. So with, with crowdfunding at WeFunder, you can choose any number of financial vehicles for your investment. So you can do what's called a safe note which is what we chose to do. That's a simple agreement for future equity. It's very com- uh, common in the Bay Area for SaaS startups. In fact, it was pioneered by Y Combinator, which is a very big incubator accelerator out here. Um, and so basically, I'll get into that in a moment, but you can choose convertible debt. You can choose um, even revenue-based financing where uh, or revenue-based um, returns where basically... Your customers can share in the amount of revenue that you generate. Uh, and so there's all the most common ways you could invest in companies uh, are available to be invested with WeFunder. There's actually a ton of options when it comes to that. Now a safe agreement, the way the safe agreement works is basically we sort of basically uh, everybody signs up and then when we do our next round, all of that stuff converts into real shares in our company, real equity into the company at a predetermined lower rate than what the rest of the um, people are buying in. So let's say we did our seed round, the safe note, we'll just round it down. We did a million dollars. We put what's called a five and a half million dollar cap on that note. So if we raise another, we basically said the company's worth five and a half million dollars at a maximum if we go and we raise another round and we raise it and we do it at 10 million on paper, that's almost like a, a two to one return.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: So safe basically locks these, these initial investors in at a very, very good rate. And then it actually converts into shares when we do our next round.
0: Right. So, and then if people want out, can they,
1: so like liquidity
0: is always a, always a concern. Yeah, liquidity is kind of always.
1: And my sort of answer to people is always: look, be prepared for a six, <clears throat> excuse me, a six to seven year, you know, ride on. This yeah. Journey. And that's what I've so, always
0: thought with this kind of kind of thing. And,
1: and look at look at the playbook that Flywheel just executed, right? So they just sold the WP
0: Engine,
1: mm-hmm. um, you know. And this is actually a good dovetail into my take on the WordPress market. But Flywheel went from concept to exit in about six years. Wow! And and WP Engine had disclosed that during that time they had gotten to about eighteen million in ARR annual recurring revenue, and so. Um, that's a, an amazing exit that those guys had, I'm sure.
0: Mm. And so
1: while the exact number wasn't disclosed, um, you know, it's, uh, to go f- to six years to build an almost $20 million revenue based company. I mean, you know, and if, if we do the math, okay, like just let's put our crystal ball on for a moment. We know that flywheel said that they were heading towards a billion dollar IPO at somewhere around 130 million in revenue. That's a six or seven times earnings, Mm. six or seven times valuation. And so Flywheel could have sold in theory for anywhere between, you know, four to six times their revenue.
0: Yeah. It's it's so crazy to me how this like Uh, the valuations work in this space. Like I had an investment opportunity come up recently and like I know how much it would have sold for uh, on like this business if you went and sold a SaaS business. Like I know generally what the multiple is and the valuation they had was just like, four times that and I was like how does this work I don't understand like where valuations come from in like the investing world but that's probably a whole (laughs) other topic um just one more question I had on uh the actual crowdfunding does it work like say kickstarter where if I say I'm going to crowdfund in some company generally I get something out of that if if it all goes to if it all works and (laughs) oftentimes the product uh ends up like failing because kickstarter is full of Cowboys, but um, like if I was to invest in Convezio, would I get a hosting package? Like, is that that's what I guess what I'm trying to work out? Yeah,
1: yeah. So you can offer what's called perks to your investors. You can, okay, cool, yeah, absolutely. And so you can give them different level perks. And we had perks that went from I think they started at 500 bucks and went all the way up to like 50k or something,
0: uh huh. Okay, cool, that's um, that's awesome. That's like, yeah. I was just actually thinking that even if if I can't, um, I'm wondering I probably wouldn't be able to invest because I'm in Australia. I wonder if there's any um, ways around that. I need a corporation or something in the U.S. No,
1: actually, I think um, I think don't quote me on this exactly, but I'm pretty sure the U.S., Australia, and the UK and a couple other countries are all whitelisted to invest. Oh wow so, uh, and we actually have taken we took investment from foreign countries for sure people in wow Ah,
0: uh, there must be some serious legal stuff going on in the background to make that work i thought it'd be like super complex because i know i can't just go and invest in u.s stock markets without going through like different random brokers and stuff like it's yeah huh that's really cool yeah yeah because i know like th- this whole world is very new in australia too um That's right.
1: You guys have had recent changes in your laws to enable crowdfunding, right?
0: Yeah. And um, so this guy I know, um, Dan Norris, who was made famous through, I guess, well, you know, internet famous (laughs) through selling WP Curve to GoDaddy. Um, He, after that, he went and created a brewery and they like just applying online marketing knowledge to brewery and they've done really really well and then that this exact thing was made legal in australia i don't know how long ago maybe a year or two um and they were one of the first companies to do this and of course the first brewery so it's made like a big uh, splash for them you know they've done very well out of this exact model um in a brewery and everyone's like oh my god now i get to own part of a brewery so like, <laughs> I can see how like effective this could be for so many. Is
1: products. free beer a perk? <laughs> like
0: it was a five percent discount. <laughs> that was. I actually did the math, so I was like, "If so, if I invest like two grand, like how long will it take me how to much make beer?" does that
1: they should <laughs> yeah. have a little calculator on their site? your yeah. investment dollars converted to you know.
0: Yeah, how many? Beer. How much beer do I have to buy to break even? <laughs> <laughs> yeah but like I mean it's it totally makes sense for them to have a discount like that because it's um you anything in hospitality is a pretty low margin, I believe, so yeah. Um, yeah they couldn't exactly give you uh too much for free but um yeah, this has been so interesting, so you did mention before um around firewheel and around the state of the market with WordPress, what did you mean by that
1: yeah, so Um, This is something I feel like is, it's a bit of deja vu for me. So as I was telling you earlier, so relocated to the Bay Area about 10 years ago, and I was in a space that was called PropTech, okay, or property technology. And uh, it wasn't really even a thing back then. It was so early. But um, we wound up selling our company, and then we took the company that acquired us public about a year later. And so, around eight years ago, when that company went public, it just blew up, right? I mean, it, the space blew up. There was a unicorn in the space people could invest in. Institutional money poured in. There's, if you fast forward now, there's been multiple IPOs, and there's literally hundreds of property tech startups. And everyone's trying to get into this space and sell to these people, and it's flourishing. I mean, like, it's an amazing story. And within 10 years, the, the boom that there's been in the prop tech industry. And I actually see that repeating history, but in WordPress. So if you look at the WordPress market, WP Engine is going to be the first company to go public. And I think they're going to be followed by automatic. I mean, just you know, a couple of months ago, I think um, you know, Salesforce invested three hundred million in automatic. Whoa. You know? I don't know if you guys saw that that thing, but I mean, in the last six months, there's been tremendous um, movement in the WordPress space, right? With the first being the Flywheel acquisition by WP Engine, you know, Caldera Forms got acquired by the Ninja Forms guys. Oh. Flywheel, basically, um, you know, Flywheel basically, uh, I'm sorry, not Flywheel, uh, autom- uh, Salesforce invested in... Um, an extremely large amount of money into automatic. I mean, automatic purchase Tumblr, look at all the things that have been happening in the space. And so what I think is going to happen, if you look at the landscape of WordPress, it's um, it's still got a massive growth potential in front of it. Some people ask me, they're like, why would you get into this space? It's so crowded. And I just don't see it that way. I see there's massive growth potential. When WP Engine goes public, It is going to validate that this market is pretty big. And, you know, we've had Matt Mullenweg get up and say he thinks that the plug-in space is X billions of dollars. There's very little, like, substantial data on this. And I know this because when I research this market to raise money and pitch VCs in the Bay Area, you've got to know your market size, your total addressable market. And so there's a lot of fuzzy data around this. When WP Engine actually has their IPO, it's going to bring in institutional money. It's going to bring in VCs. In fact, in March of 2018, TechCrunch said that WordPress, they wrote an article on this, said WordPress remains one of the hottest, fastest growing, yet most underfunded segments of the technology market. Wow. And so I think there's just a lot of upside. I'm really excited about what's going to happen. I think now is the, a great time because I think we're going to see two IPOs happen sequentially. WP Engine, then Automatic at some point is probably going to have a, an offering. And so I just think there's tremendous opportunity right now. And uh, the market is in a great spot for WordPress companies. Uh, and I, my advice would be to WordPress entrepreneurs, don't sell now. It's a little early. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, um, I think things are going to get much, much more interesting over the next three to five years.
0: Damn, that's uh, that's really cool to hear. Like, the, I didn't realize uh, any of those numbers or you know, quotes or whatever, so that's actually all news to me and it's um, exciting,
1: yeah. Um, I think so,
0: yeah. Before we wrap up, I'd like to talk a little bit about Convezio. So, what you know, you've gone through this process, so what does make you unique <laughs> if you had to tell this to investors, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. So we're focused on really two things so scaling and performance. And basically what we've done is the old model let's let's not even talk about like shared hosting right because that's mm. we all know what that yeah, is. Every, everyone yeah everyone knows. on a on a big server. Um, what Actually most- just
0: just quickly. I say everyone knows but actually that's not true because I still see loads of questions in web designer groups about like Uh, various shared hosting platforms. And every Mm -hmm. time they get people jumping on them being like, stop it. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So uh, I'll give you a quick rundown. So shared hosting is basically when you have a really large server and you're essentially putting a bunch of sites on a single server. And as you know, in that case, there's a, there's a lot of potential areas for failure. Mm -hmm. If something fails in the server, whether it be the database or, you know, a site gets hacked or a site gets flooded with traffic or there's a DDo- DDoS attack, everything on that server suffers and potentially goes down, mm-hmm. okay? Now, what more sophisticated providers are doing is VPSs, okay? And so a lot of times if you go to a managed hosting provider, they're going to put you on a VPS, which means your site or sites get dedicated resources, okay? Okay but they're all still running one database engine on that VPS. And that VPS is sitting on top of one physical machine somewhere. Mm. Okay. So what we've done at Convesio is basically said, we're not putting any one site on one physical machine. So we deploy clusters and we broke up all of the different layers of WordPress into different layers using containers, Docker containers. And so basically when traffic hits our cluster, it starts at the top It hits a a layer of load balancers. Those load balancers will direct the traffic to the correct uh, containers running WordPress and it will distribute them amongst any of the servers in the cluster. And then those uh, WordPress containers are connected to a database cluster replicated across all the servers in the cluster, a multi-node database cluster, and then there's files replicated below that. Now, what's cool about this is if your site is a small traffic site and it's running in one, like, WordPress container, as soon as that site starts to get a lot of traffic, we can immediately, within seconds, scale it up to 5, 10, 20 containers. And the load balancers will distribute the traffic amongst all of those containers, and those containers will be distributed amongst multiple physical machines in the cluster. And so this gives you diversification to multiple hardware nodes in the cluster, and it also eliminates a lot of the single points of failures. For instance, if one node in a database crashes for some reason, there's six other nodes to pick up the work for it. And so the redundancy of the system, along with the ability to scale And the ability to have what I like to call, people call it in the industry, self-healing. It's kind of a buzzword. (laughs) But basically, naturally sort of inherent in containers is the ability to monitor the health of them. And so um, I'll give you a, a for instance here, I was a longtime Flywheel customer before I built Convesio. And, you know, I had a site go down one day and it was the old... We had to restart PHP on the machine to get the site back. Right. Uh-huh. Well, that process, because it was a Saturday morning, was email support, wait an hour for a response. I had it had gone offline earlier while I was sleeping, so it was like a three or four hour downtime because of all this rigmarole in our system that would have been resolved in five to 10 seconds. If there was a fatal <laughs> error in PHP, the yep. system would have restarted the container, which is a just a few seconds of a process. Mm. And there would have been zero human intervention needed for that. And so that type of sort of um, you know awareness of the platform to know what state it's in and to trigger a series of auto-recovery steps uh, is also one of the things I think... Um, unique with our platform versus a lot of legacy hosting providers.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. Um, and like, it's clear that there's just, I mean, things are going to work better when there's redundancy and, and scaling involved, right? Like there's been many times where I've needed to, well, I've been worried about traffic spikes because of something we're going to do. And it's like, okay, is our server set up for it? Is it going to work? Like, um, yeah. And it's been like a worry. So to, so to have that as right. just inherently built in is like, would be so nice just to not even have to to think about it. And mm-hmm. the fact that, you know, the, the restarting things to make it work again is, is hits me close to home. Cause I've had to do that um, yeah. a few times on the and various I mean, it's, things.
1: It's great too, because, you know, this is a lot of technology leveraged in the enterprise space and mm. we're providing it at a super reasonable cost. And, You only pay for the scaled up state if you use it. And so our sort of philosophy is it's a, you know, pay for what you need type of platform. Mm. And you can really get this technology on if you're an agency. And by the way, we're focused heavily on agencies as our customer because we believe they've got unique problems managing large portfolios Mm. of sites. And so the ability to have this type of technology there as a safety net for your site is really powerful.
0: Yeah, and it could
1: be a, a it could be an email blast people are doing or a social media campaign. I mean, it doesn't have to be the I was featured on the cover of TechCrunch scenario. <laughs> There's a lot of scenarios businesses have where they might have surges in traffic.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, for us, I think we had a worry with Product Hunt um, when we did the Product Hunt launch yeah. because we were trying to get on the front cover, and yeah, we had a, a traffic spike. It didn't end up being anywhere near what people say um, like it can do, but like. Um, it still was a, was a concern. So yeah, um, that was actually going to be my next question is like, you focus on agencies. Uh, like, Are you focused on agencies? Does that mean people can easily set up billing for multiple sites and for clients?
1: Yeah, so we don't have um, billing uh, as part of our platform where you can bill your clients, your end user clients. We're working on right now an integration with WHMCS
0: yeah. because a
1: lot of people have asked for like white label type of uh, capabilities. And uh-huh. so um, I think that's going to be first on our plate. And then we are getting some requests for... Um, you know, features like Flywheel has a feature where you can turn billing over to your customer. Yes. And so um, we are getting some requests for that. The majority of, of uh, agencies that we work with are ones who in some way, shape or form, resell their hosting. So they buy hosting yeah. and they stand between the customer and the hosting provider to provide a, a layer of services, if you will.
0: Yeah, yeah, fair enough. All right, cool. Well, I mean, this is super interesting to me like the whole commitment to a scale scalability and, and performance and i i just just when you were talking about that i cannot even imagine some of the technical challenges you've had um like i know as soon as you start replicating databases things get can get hairy um that's
1: right
0: yeah so you guys must have had to overcome a lot of things which um i mean Way too technical for this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I'd love well, I love to dig into. It. I will
1: tell you, like any great SaaS company, we've built the product twice now. So.
0: <laughs> hey, so have we? <laughs> oh man, yeah. We we just finished our big rebuilds like uh, two months ago, I think. Now, and yeah. So, uh, oh man, yeah, uh, it's a fun process. Um, That's right. No, yeah. Not at all, uh, Tom. Thank you so much for joining me. This has been super interesting. Thanks, James. I really appreciate it. I just hope that, like, yeah, now there are some agencies out there that are thinking about maybe offering this as a service to clients or maybe launching their own product. There's just so many possibilities out
1: of this. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. So thanks again. Uh, guys, thanks for listening to this episode. Um, I will see you next week. Discover how to grow your agency, earn more, and work less at agencyhighway.com. Head over there to get resources from this episode and full transcripts. See you next time. This episode was brought to you by Content Snare. If you're a digital agency or just need to get content or info from your clients, Content Snare can help you collect it on time and without enormous email trails. Give it a try at contentsnare.com.